My name is Stevie Richards and I'm the owner and founder of Stevie Richards Fitness. I started Stevie Richards Fitness with one simple mission statement, to help others. I know what it's like to be injured. I know what it's like to be hurt. I know what it's like to be in pain each and every day of your life. I also know how to modify to overcome that pain, to overcome that discomfort, to overcome your injuries. And that's why I created the programs I did at Stevie Richards Fitness. Every single exercise has a modification. Everything can be successfully completed, no matter your age or fitness level. And that's what I infused in the 12 and 16 week resistance band training programs to pass along to you at an affordable, accessible price. Believe in yourself because I believe in you and I'm here to help you every step of the way. This is the Voices of Misery podcast. This show isn't for the easily offended, so PC Police on Patrol stand by. You've been warned. Now let's join the nerd and nerdette with another podcast for that ass. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast, and uh, you guys know I suffer from anxiety, man, but today it's on cloud nine, you know, and like, it, it's just kind of going over the place today, because my guest today is a very high-level podcaster, someone that I admire, I've uh, been listening to this guy for a very long time, very important, you guys are going to know him immediately the second you hear his voice, without me even saying his name, you're going to know who he is, that's how, how uh, big this guy is, really, just how popular he is, how over he is, and I'm, I'm very nervous to have him on the show because this guy knows a lot of shit and I know nothing, as you guys know. But, uh, yeah, without further ado, man, this guy is just a man himself. And, you know, I can't do him justice by giving him an intro. He does the greatest intros of all time. Get you pumped up. So, Ben, I'm going to pass off to you, man. What's going on? Y'all yeah. hear the true voice of misery, infidels, as I strike down upon you. The fear inside of you, I pull it out, stomp it, and make you greater than you ever were with one $5 face slap of truth, because it's Hami Nation, the brothers that's creation, minds getting flooded, ejaculation, right on the two-inch tape, the abstract poet incognito runs the cape, not the best, not the worst, and occasionally we curse to get our points across, so bust the floors, infidels, as Hacker Hameen invades here at the Voices of Misery podcast. Where are the porn stars bring them to me now <laughs> it's very cool that you say that actually very fitting because today we released an episode with ava divine man and uh yeah she was really cool and now i'm talking to you so this is some real bucket list type shit that's going on in my life right now man just raising you're just raising your own acumen dude it's where you're meant to be uh and uh the the, the higher you book you have to surround yourself with the people that you want to emulate, be like, uh, you know, that are successful. That's why I packed up and moved uh, from my college town after having success there to Chicago to do improv with the best. And then from there to Louisville to study with OVW, the Harvard of professional wrestling to, to get to the, where I am now, that's just where it is. And you're in that journey now. So don't, uh, don't sell yourself short. And I mean, I appreciate the put over, but there's a reason why we're connected, whether it's universal, you know, I'm the, uh, 
Muslim atheist Christian smasher. Uh, but when it comes to it, uh, you know, the, the best will always find each other. And there's a reason you've uh, stayed in the circle. Well, let me ask you a question because, like, I, this is where I, I kind of want to learn here, and I and, and I consider this to be like a very valuable learning experience just having you on the show here. And you've been doing this for a while, and I started listening listening to you when you were on WrestleZone, and that's where I, I first learned of the great Ben Hameen. But you've been doing this for so long, and and we've been doing this for a year now, my my wife and I, and I've and I've always wanted to ask, like, when does the anxiety end? Or or you're just a natural at this, like like. Can you like explain like how did you become so good and just so natural at this? Oh, thank you. I mean, um, it, it's about dedication to it and, and putting in reps, ten thousand hour rule. But uh, to be honest with you, credit to my parents. Even though I, I talked to you off air and whatnot, my dad is a pretty genuine man's man. You can see me taking selfies in the woods with a rifle on a spot and stock, and uh, you know he runs the biggest woodsman's timber sports show in the world, even though he's kind of retired and he has run it for the last 40 years. And, uh, you know, as much as I run Hami media group, he has 400 volunteers working for him and throughout the year, you know, 20, 30 core members. And then when it's show week, 400 people come together to put on a huge show. So I've always seen that, you know, so that's kind of in me, in my DNA, I've seen how, the hierarchy to treat your people who are busting their ass. And I'm, when I tell you about volunteers, these are people from picking up garbage, running, camping, my boys on the track, the posse on the track, lifting over, I'm not bullshitting you, 400 tons of wood over a weekend where my father would go out, pick the trees, have them cut with his crew. He built a 12 by 12 wood, laid the hooks to a tractor. We spin 300 blocks of wood and then get them all prepped for the pros to come in that you see on TV and those things get cut in 6.6 seconds with a chainsaw. And then a bunch of guys run out and lug all that shit off the track and set up for the next thing. And that's an eight to 12 hour day, two, three days in a row. So you got to appreciate your staff. And I do very much. And they, and I'm sure they know that when they can, when I can pay them out, I try to, or, or as you've bird dog for me to help get sponsorships. So that, that's what we're trying to do now. But what was in me is them, you know, maybe seeing me as charismatic or what have you. And I had to play sports because my dad was an all-star athlete, but uh, I took acting classes at the Capitol theater in Rome. And you can listen to that with ha 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 mean episode on my platform with Raymond Kester, uh, one of my first uh, acting mentors and teachers. And it's a, it's an old vaudeville, huge movie house seat, 1600. And we went and learned stagecraft there. All the kind of the kids from like five surrounding cities would go there and, <clears throat> you know, our parents pay for it. Like you pay for anything, whatever, you know, lessons that you're going to pay for your kid. And we learned stagecraft and we learned history and we learned monologue and we learned. And, and then in the summer they have summer stage. So you could get cast as an extra and they'd bring in these actors from colleges or the Southeastern theater conference. And they weren't getting paid shit. They're kind of the indie workers, but they're really good actors. So again, putting yourself alongside people, they were bringing them to us at a lot. So I could go back to my high school and get cast there and, you know, I'm just kind of leaps and bounds ahead of where the other kids are because, A, I'm doing this, getting more reps in, and I'm getting to act with professional actors even or even watch them and, and choreographers and paying your dues, building the sets, tearing them down, doing makeup, doing costumes, lighting, all that shit. So, and it's, and you're loving it, right? 
I'm, I'm backstage 15 years old doing the play Gypsy and I was working costumes. You don't know, that's an old vaudeville show about Gypsy Rose Lee with strippers. And these hot chicks are jumping out of their G-strings and, and tits out and I got their shit right there holding the for them. I'm like, this is the greatest fucking job I've ever had in my life. Who would turn that down? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the Capitol Theater was very instrumental and I got, you know, I thought I was over. I went to college at SUNY Fredonia and I drank and smoked and fucking partied for a year, made fake IDs and fucking, you know, and just uh, thought I was over and didn't have any prospect. I was I was in the music and theater department, but as I got there, I was like, I just I'd done six years. I've done every musical you could fucking think of multiple times, you know, from the chorus to the leads. And uh, it's like, shit, I, I got in here and I love this school, but I, I just didn't have focus and I'm young and dumb. And uh, I fucked up, flunked out, went to a community college for a semester, uh, paid my dues and came back and was way refocused. And they had just started media arts, this new thing, right, in 1997, uh, 96, 97. And we'd be the first class to graduate from that. And they had different tracks like graphic design, business, sound engineering. And I was a big hip hop head even then, obviously. And I, in my mind, was like, man, I could be Jizzer, Rizzer, and fucking Puffy and all that shit, like Eminem before he was Eminem or whatever. But the you got to really, if that's what you want to do, you got to dedicate your life to it, right? There's no, like, jumping okay. about. So downtown Fredonia, there's this 1891 Fredonia Opera House, beautiful theater. Seats about 550. And uh, there was a show going on there because all the actors, Fredonia is a very prestigious theater school. And if you don't get cast, you're just stuck doing stagecraft. And, and a lot of great actors were just not getting cast for whatever reason, seniority reason or whatever. And they would do that, but they wanted a place to perform. So this guy, Law Torello, which you can hear on the first episode of Ha 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 Mean, saw that. And he started Random Acts. And uh, Random Acts was it is still going on <laughs> from 1996 till now and has produced unbelievable talent for broadway radio wrestling youtube stars you know i'm talking nice peter epic rap battles of history second city's finest that's up there now laws working at second city uh talent agents for people who are on saturday night live i mean all out of one show that that we're fredonia people but it aren't even affiliated with the school. And this shit is still going on. It's legacy now, right? People on Netflix and stuff. It's crazy. I'm so proud of it even still today to, to be in the original. I was in the, uh, for the first half of the year, I was watching it going, this is what I got to do. So one night they were pulling people out of the crowd on stage to play some game. And, I, you know, I did my bit. I knew I was funny enough and I had a theater experience and I had a lot of friends that were already on stage there. I killed it audition the next time and, and by three years later i had taken over the show as the director it was handed to me you know and it was just the best time uh to to have your tribe everyone's always looking for their tribe for that mm -hmm. to happen and uh second city came and they put on an unbelievable on the road show at the at the school but they came and did a uh we all paid whatever so the actors can earn their money on their hustle like everything man it was awesome and this is what changed my life because uh, they they came and, and we had a really great day with Al Samuel, Stephanie Weir, and Bob Dassey. I wasn't trying. I was just really loving it. And uh, I had a really good day. That's usually when you really do your best. And they're like, Bob pulled me aside and said, you got to go to Chicago, him and Stephanie. And Stephanie's on Mad TV shortly after that. And I was like, okay, because 
this girl, Marissa Panessa, had gone to Improv Olympic for the summer intensive, tried to come back and explain it to us, but we couldn't really get it. Like, until you see it, you kind of can't understand Chicago improv fully. And um, I know I'm going long-winded here. I'm just giving you the whole bridge oh, verse. This is, this is a hell of a story. This is great. <laughs> so Marissa moved out there, and she got a job at Flair Communications Agency. And I'll name drop her. She's the one who now owns Panessa Talent, who manages people on Empire, who manages people on Saturday Night Live, manages a lot of our acting friends who are big names. And she she just celebrated the 10th anniversary of going into business for herself. I couldn't be more proud of her. Everyone who knows her is in love with her. She's like four foot ten, just like the cutest little thing of all time and so funny. But she got out of the business to do this part of it. You know, I mean, she could have been a Saturday Night Live star without a doubt. She's that fucking good. Um, but she brought me out there, set me up in my little shitty apartment, got me a job at Flair Communications, which is a, a advertising firm. I was working as an intern, making twelve bucks an hour in night in nineteen ninety nine two thousand, which was good enough then. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and I was getting to work on good good brands, Conagra, Corona, just cutting up uh, things for presentation, and again, being around the top people in Chicago marketing, learning the craft, right? Yeah. Um, from there. I, I I waited kind of two months, and that was one of my biggest regrets to start going to improv. I wanted to get my you know feet under me but dude once it was there it was five six nights a week at improv olympic second city the playground theater comedy sports you just make the tour i live two blocks from wrigley field that's like where all the the transplants from uh, you know wherever wisconsin new york where the miss island of misfit actors and toys and comedians live and improv olympic is a hundred yards or was from wrigley field so it was like this beautiful jazz club dirty our own thing you know what i mean and just the purity of the art was going down there um and i spent five years there with you know we, you can hear me talk about it with uh, with bill savely on the latest ha 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 me in episode seven uh you know everybody from silicon valley from veep uh tj and dave pasquese seeing all their shows tj's the guy who rides shotgun in the sonic commercials dave's <laughs> Lodge 49, he's on Veep. He, I mean, the the great the improvisers that the actors you love look to as like they're the gods. Like, and, and I'm getting to walk amongst them, you know, so and learn from them and have them be my coaches and just be in the same place as them every night. And eventually, just like we talked with you, you come up the ladder till you earn their respect because there's times where we I ended up opening for them, and at the end of the end of the night. There'd be three teams and we'd all come together to play the dream. Now I'm getting to improvise with TJ, even if it's for a second. And dude, that's like me being able to get in the ring with Rowdy Roddy Piper, with Sergeant Slaughter, you know. So th the same thing's happening. And I went to the owner, Charna Halpern, who was who was not handed, but helped build Improv Olympic with the father of improv, Del Close who made Bill Murray, <laughs> Harold Ramis, you know, you can go right down the line it, it, to Chris Farley, all of them, Mike Myers, Andy Dick, uh, Amy Poehler, you know, like uh, Tina Fey. These are all the people who came right before me, and I'm, I'm on the same stage doing the same steps they are. And, and, and I was like, shit, classes are 300 bucks. I'm, I'm barely making it, you know. <laughs> Eating ramen might get a little uh, – cozy tie or Philly's best when I can or Portillo's, but, uh, you know, uh, love and life as a starving artist. It's, it's unbelievable. 
And, um, <clears throat> you know, from there I went to Charna. Because I've been working on the dirt sheets in, in college. I was obviously a wrestling cycle fan then. And I said, look, you've got this micro demographic of improvisers in the Mecca. And this is the way the wrestling world works for rumors and interviews and stuff. And nobody's doing that to shine your product. Could I be an intern and do that? And she's like, yeah. So I got to sit down with TJ, with Stephanie, with John Lutz and all these unbelievable teachers and performers with a little handheld tape recorder. This is before Skype and videos, right? And I would tape these two-hour interviews and then go back and re-dictate them and type them out brutally into a magazine format, take some fun pictures, do something fun with it. I call it improvinsider.com. Um, and you know, I'm getting to learn now directly and have direct access to the great, the people I know are going to be great or are great already. And that just in (laughs) raising your own perception, all the other interns are scratching for anybody to know their name or get up the next level. All these people now, you know, know who I am and have given me access and are, are thankful because I'm helping their celebrity. For me, it's a learning experience for them. It's to make them the stars and get that, that they should be that, that, that notice that they're not getting. So again, doing more work than needed, but (laughs) the payoff is well worth it. So yeah, for sure. And I'm sure like they saw your hard work and they fed off of it and that's what got you over with them. Well, I got a spot. Uh, I've got a couple spots with like, uh, you know, on a team rum Springer, uh, which some people have done really well out of that. Tyler Lansdowne now works for a video game company that he's done stuff with new day and on Conan O'Brien, uh, with that and the, the gamer stuff. And then Mike Kaczynski was on that team and he's been on, uh, uh, Mark Maron's show and whatnot. He's the guy who bought Mark Maron's house. If you want to know that if you're, if you're in, in, in the show, like that, he comes back in, in that episode, he's in, in a bunch of other things, but, uh, you know, that was a great team and uh, kind of put us in the mid card that way. And then I got some spots on other shows and uh, Jordan Klepper had a late night late show. Was it that or World News Tonight? I, I always get them mixed up. I was on both regardless. There's like walk-ons. They were doing a wrestling and Ed Ferraro was the uh, the guest. And I talked about this on Two Man Power Trip and I love this story too. And it's, it's my, a, a lot of my origin where I say you and I meet for a reason. This was everything I'd been building toward was this wrestle. I know wrestling, hip hop, marketing and, and, and improv. Right. So Ed and I, I buy him a beer and dude, we sat there for three hours, bars in Chicago close at four. I think we got out of there at three 30 in the morning. Uh, well fucking inebriated, but he didn't treat me like a Mark. He listened to me because he, he saw the performance I put on and he knows what I was doing. And he could see that I'm a different animal for the first time from a wrestling writer to this guy who knows it all as a complete psycho fucking fan where I had seen, I hadn't missed a week of wrestling at that time, probably in what, 24 years. So yeah, I'd seen every bit of nitro. I take, I'd watch a first hour of nitro tape the rest, watch raw, watch all the ECW, every pay-per-view. And this is on VHS and shit, right? So I know his whole career from inception and we're just going through it. And I'm asking questions and I'm, I can't remember now. I'm sure I acted like a total fucking Mark goof, but he's like, man, if you really want to do this, uh, you know, OVW is a spot you need to go. 
two weeks later, I go down to visit Rip first time. You know, I called, left a message. He called me back. Hey, who the fuck this is fucking Rip Rogers? Yeah, come fuck down on Saturday if you want to. Practice starts at 10. Fucking sit there and watch. Bring your fucking gear and work out. Boom. Right? Okay. You need a fucking license. Go get a fucking license. All right. <laughs> uh, so I drive down like that maybe five or six times, and I really just get the, I get hooked. Like this is when Cody and Sean Spears were first starting. I talked about this feud a lot, and I was like, fuck. Al Snow's here. Robert Gibson's here. Like ODB, Cody, like you can go right down the list of fucking of the time from Vladimir Kozlov, you know, uh, Amish Roadkill is there, Joey Mercury, uh, Aaron the Idol Stevens, just a killer, lo- killer locker room, uh, Santino Morella, Crime Time, the Highlanders, like <laughs> it was just fucking dope. So I'm like, I- I'm five, six years into my career, and I'm like, I had my first Saturday Night Live audition. There's like 300 people. It's just like, okay, this isn't how I do things. Like, stand out in a crowd. He's the one. That's I, I don't have in my mind, and I appreciate how you put me over in the opening, the it factor. I'm a chop wood, carry water guy. Now, it might seem like I had the it factor, but I, have to, I had to work my ass off for it. Whereas guys like Nice Peter that I came up with, when you're around them, it's like they're glowing. They just have something, dude, that I don't have. I have size, stature, intimidation, a lot of tricks, a lot of flag waving. They've got the it factor, and you just feel it when they're around them. But there's also some, and I'm not saying this in a disabled kind of way, some retardation of the dictionary form of it. With all madness, there's with all genius, there's madness. I haven't talked to him in a year. It's hard as hell to get a hold of him. And when he's hot, he's, he wants to, and and. Other times, the tighter you squeeze onto them, it's like sand slipping through your hand. So you got to let them go, you know. So I know it comes back around, but you know he gave he he bought me all my studio. So look what I've turned that into, man. You know, so I'm I'm eternally grateful from a college dude who now is probably you know go check out Epic Rap Battles of History, see their fucking numbers. If you see anything under 27 million views globally, <laughs> it's unbelievable to me. So. Uh, you know, to get back what I was saying, uh, to put yourself around the best, that's what it was at OVW. And you're learning not just the craft of wrestling from Rip Rogers, Nick Eugene Dinsmore, Joey Mercury while you're on the road. You're learning about the politics. And you're watching people cut their throat. You're watching people get to WWE. You're watching people paranoid as fuck. People get reinvented, Ryback, all those guys, you know, like Spirit Squad, all those dudes coming through. Ziggler looking for help, man. And I was lucky to be given the student show to start teaching improv in to wrestling. And that was Derby city wrestling to get guys ready for TV. And then uh, triple H Shawn Michaels and Steve Kern showed up Johnny ACE and they came in and took 360 degree pictures of OVW and game goes OVW is never going anywhere. It's made so many stars for WWE. I mean, Cena, Batista, Brock, Big Show. I <laughs> keep going, right? So fucking, we're like, oh, sweet. And game leaves. I'm working security for him. I get him out through the crowd. Come back in. Sean stays. Bought the boys a bunch of beers. Had a good time. Six weeks later, <laughs> OVW is no longer a fucking WWE property. All the contract guys are moving to Florida. Johnny Ace and Kern are starting FCW. Boom, right? Okay. okay. We're going to survive. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We got a strong class. And I take a hit. But now all the guys are ready to jump up. 
like Rick Victor from the Ascension, Serena Deeb, me, Ali, uh, the mobile homers, Chris Silvio and his partner, uh, the kamikaze kid, James Long, who's now, who helped make the uh, <clears throat> broken universe with Jeremy Borash, you know, mm-hmm. and it's now in WWE. So all these hungry cats that we Rip was getting us ready to go. I directed 50 episodes of DCW and was on it of the 72. And now OVW is the opportunity. So three of us get a chance to be the producers and the bookers together, right in the show, produce another 50 episodes of that. And then, you know, it OVW is a college. I spent three and a half years there. It was time to go, you know, like it's time to go apply my trade and see what's up. So that's the long and short of to get to that point. And then I spent five years in two CW, which was an unbelievable experience. I went back to Chicago for like 10 months with my, uh, soon to be fiance wife, number, uh, 144. And, um, you know, made my money cause I knew I could and in improv Olympic and moved out of the hood into this new beautiful facility or was moving. And it was just different. Uh, I had some deaths in my family, some weddings I had to be best man at. So I went back to New York where I started, you know, go back on solid ground and, and see my people. And, um, two CW, uh, brought me in to work hacksaw and slaughter. And then they couldn't get rid of me for four years. And we just did awesome business. They made me part of the brain trust and they, uh, became great friends with Josh NRA, Steve King, and, uh, that son of a bitch, Jack trades and uh, you know we just fuck you in the face of Ring of Honor WWE do dream bookings feed off that ECW hyper fan of the Northeast and we made some fucking awesome moments for not just me but for we made Kevin Owens Kevin Steen we helped make Eddie Edwards and and uh, Davey Richards. Uh, we helped make the Bullet Club. We helped make the Young Bucks what they are, you know, make Sammy Callahan. And it was just awesome. And it's on Josh's dime because you're like, Hummy, why don't you start your own shit? I go, fuck you. You go lose $150,000 and, and then and then you can start your own shit. So at the cost of doing business and going out on top, it was an unbelievable experience for me to be a part of 2CW because it. I'm like I said, the name drop to be in the ring with Piper. I say I'm the last guy on Piper's pen. I'm really the second to last, but uh, that one wasn't televised or anything. So, uh, you know, the last uh, known Piper's pit and, and all that shit, man. And the legends and, and to be in and now Tracy Smothers was very ill. Be able to get to do a dance off against Tracy Smothers and Rob Cook. Sometimes we were working the main events with Hacksaw and AJ Styles is opening the show. What the fuck else can I want out of life, you know, in, in independent wrestling to solidify my career? And then after 2CW breaks up, New York becomes all these, like, weird little indies with a lot of guys who just want to pirate, plummet, and do what they ever. And, and sure, I'm going to work for them and help them as best I can because I help build that territory. I'm not going to give it up and just let it go to shit on some ignorance when I can help spread, you know, some light. And then I've been working in Canada, tagging with Congo Kong, and it's – it's a fucking awesome time, man. I can't believe it. After I'm going a fat ass run your mouth wet flag waving manager to now half ass in shape from Stevie Richards Fitness and getting to be uh, a multiple time champion in the last two years with Greek God popping on with Kong and to win the Middle Eastern Championship has been uh, been real crazy, man. Real crazy. 
Hey, there's there's something I want to ask you because like you you, you said something and it kind of like popped me for a second. I'm like I have to ask him this question. So you're you're coming up all these people and all these names that, that you were just dropping there. Is there <laughs> any there. kind of like bitterness that you feel seeing them maybe hit certain heights or do they for you know forget about you know who they came up with because they get an inflated ego or a big head? Well, yeah, you can get some people who are superstars for sure, man. And you just let them go because they're going to come back down the ladder and they'll meet you on the way back down. And usually their descent is not on the best terms and they need somebody to fall under their lap. Is that me being a sycophant? Maybe not profiting off of it, but, you know, I also don't try and, and and this is just me as a man, you either want to work with me or you don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call fucking Rick Victor and be like, bro, give me a job where I'm going to fucking, you know, like he didn't superstar me, but that's a respect. I have ultimate respect for APOC or I'm not going to fucking put our friendship to like that. That shows a lack of character to me. You yeah. know what I mean? If somebody mm-hmm. wants to go out of their way to help me, Vince Russo does this all the time because he wants me to get over. He wants the best for me. He he goes out of his way to contact people. <laughs> and I'll I'll shoot whether it's Billy Corgan or you know uh you know putting out that I'm the hottest prospect or whatever. Like that shit's that I'm not asking him to do any of that. That's that's straight love from him. So that's that's so humbling to me, but are there people who will superstar? Yeah, and in comedy, they got to protect their joint though. I get it. You got to protect your check, right? And protect your neck and protect your check. Fucking Jordan Klepper, I'd love to have him on. He knows exactly who I am, but his check's from Viacom. His check is Comedy Central. And to even clear that, to do something with me is not going to happen. I'll name drop another one. Tim Baltz, a guy I absolutely love in comedy and his personal friends on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Reach out. Can't get nothing back, man. And he's on Uncut Gems. He's just doing great, great work. I don't want to, but then on the other hand of that, I got TJ and Dave who will put me over to the fucking end who are bigger stars than both of them. So it's just like, I guess where you are in your game and I can't hold that against them at all. You know what I mean? I totally get it. I don't have animosity towards them. There is something going on. And this is, I haven't, I've only talked to this, uh, my wives and maybe one or two others. Um, there are people who I came up with from random acts, uh, days, who are even part of the tattoos I got on my body in, in honor of, in honor of things. So man, I'm getting choked up. <laughs> uh, there's two people who cut me off that like yeah. were brothers to me and it's tough. That's tough. I, I don't know why, like I know what their shortcomings are, but there was no inciting incident that would warrant that. And I would never do that to them. To be on the brunt end of that is it's tough to swallow. That's you want the bare bones on the voices of misery right here, man. Like uh, me as a leader, I shoulder a lot of shit, but those two scars run real deep and one's comedy and one's wrestling. Mm. That's the thing, man. Like we're all human beings and there's, there's a saying that I live by and it's money ruins everything, man. It really does. It fucks up everything, man. It fucks up families too, man. Like I'm sure you've seen it in your own family. You've seen it in your friends' families. The second a relative dies, what does everyone do? They put their hands out. They put their hands out. They want something from that relative's estate. And it drives families apart. They fight over money, and it's just 
you know, people love each other. And the second, you know, a sizable amount of money comes into play, they don't want to help you. They don't want to, you know, put their hand out and pull you up with them. They just want what's theirs and then fuck everybody else. It's just the way it is, man. It's fucking horrible. I think I'm a little beyond that. Like, sure, I want to make my money. Like, I put in yeah. my time as an artist to, like, let's get to WWE. Let's get that $400,000 a year payday. That's what the fuck I want. I'm not going to lie about it. Sure. Or if I can do it another way, building my own media company, absolutely, I want to do that too. But the the jealousy or, or whatever reason, none of that would ever warrant that to me because I lost two friends, one 19 years old, no, no, 21 years old, yeah, and uh, he he died tragically. His car fell on him while he was working on it. He's a D1 lineman. And then my other buddy, Hooch, who died on 4th of July after his kid fell off a four-wheeler. He's out of shape and shit and ran a 300-yard dash run over there. She was bumped up, gets back to the tree, has a heart attack, lays down and dies. They bring him back. He's like, oh, what's going on? Dies again, doesn't come back. So, yeah. So money to me <laughs> don't really mean fuck all, you know. Living wage, getting the shit I want to, living comfortably—that's cool. But right now, I'm living my life on Twitch camera, getting to relate to people, talk to um, incredible guests, truth seek, open people's minds as the college professor that I am too. 3D print. I don't have time to like, what the fuck do I want? Jordans and shit like that. I'm not into that kind of shit, man. This is a fucking 599 pro wrestling tees stock shirt. And it fits me better than any other t-shirt that I fucking own, man. So if you need to have that material shit to shine and fucking bling, and that's what you want in life. And that's what you feel like you need to do on your 80 trips around the sun. Then so be it. But I've lost shit. That's bigger than that already. That makes me, appreciate how valuable time is and how valuable interactions are yeah so no that's 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 a phenomenal thing to me yeah well that's a phenomenal answer too and i mean like while i would like to be a millionaire obviously i mean who wouldn't you know say yes to a lot of money there are some experiences in life that you have to have happen to you like you need to hit rock bottom in order to build yourself up and appreciate what you have man and I, and I've lowered my expectations in life a lot as I get older. I mean, I'm, I'm 37 years old now. And when I was younger, I, I, I wanted to be rich and famous, right? Nowadays, I just want to have my mortgage paid off. And I want to have enough money to keep my kids fed, man. That's And that, to me, is true wealth. Absolutely. Being the provider that you are and making sure you can make those memories. Sure, we want a little extra coin in our pocket for graduations or sweet 16 cars and that kind of shit. And that'll come. If you will it and you want it, it'll 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 happen. It might not be the fucking ultimate dream, but but still, man, is even that shit is material stuff. It's about that sunset with that person on the beach in that moment that lives forever. It's about that moment in the ring when you got them or you you paid something off and you made somebody. It's about that moment on stage where you don't even remember what the joke was, but you just feel the wor- the room swirling around you and it's the perfect night and the perfect boss and you smoke the perfect joint out back. And somebody walks out and goes, good set. And it doesn't matter. You're in the circle and the group mind is flowing and you hear a home run at Wrigley Field. Those are the things that when you do your deathbed look back, ain't going to be no fucking pair of Jordans and some fucking juicy chains. Oh, you're right. (laughs) So, So that's really 
the lens I'm trying to look at everything through as a 42 year old man, mm-hmm. as former. I mean, I didn't start wrestling until I was 29 when I when I made that move to Louisville, man. So it's it's crazy to where I'm at now. But that is 10,000 hour rule. I don't care if it's guitar playing and you're in a band. You know, I don't care if it's podcasting and radio, if it's woodworking and chainsaw carving or or, or pro wrestling, man. It's it's labor of love. People say fake it till you make it. That's the making it is just means money and adoration. It's the journey and the uh, education and then passing that on uh, to someone who admires the work you emulated and maybe made your own and, and made a movement of your own. Now you got a legacy, and that's really what we all want, whether it's having children or what have you to to know that you're going to live on, but to be able to inspire somebody or even talk somebody back from the ledge or, or, or he, you know, our listeners globally who are in Australia or in a cop car in the UK or in a newsroom in Chicago, you know, like it's unbelievable to me, but it's, that distance is closed. They're sitting right next to us. I'm sitting right next to them as I'm yep. sitting right next to you right now. Yep. So barring all digital existence and doors, the connection is what it's real, man. And and that's really, I don't know, as the atheist or what have you, what I, what I kind of try and live my life as. I wanted to ask you about the atheism thing because I started off as an atheist. Um, and just like a quick background in my life, my dad was really into religion, man. He used to get that Creflo Dollar bullshit. Yeah. Um, what that was the other guy's name, Charles Stanley. He used to watch him on TV every Sunday when I was over at his house for the weekends. And he used to send money to these people sent him checks every single week. and like, what are you sending money for? And he made me read the picture Bible and he made me read the regular Bible. And I read them cover to cover, word for word. And I said the prayer to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, my savior had no idea why. I mean, I was eight, nine years old. Yeah. Indoctrination. Yeah. So he basically like, boom, 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 just forced on me, forced on me. And then I questioned it as I got older, he got sick and he passed away back in 2007. He had MS. He passed away. He's my best friend, you know, when he died. And I'm saying to myself, this is a man who gave everything to you. Money, you know, took me to church. He told everybody about God. He spread the word. And this is how you repay him. You make him suffer for his final years of life and then make him die of a heart attack. Yeah. Is that, is that the kind of God that sounds just fair and full of love that you want to worship and, and say thank you to? That doesn't sound like somebody I want to, like, be affiliated with, in my opinion, man. If And, and if that's the type of person that's going to judge me, well, uh, judge not lest thou be judged. Let me judge you back, God. Right here, right here, real quick, motherfucker. And, you know, from the carny promoter work side, that tears me up that your dad got worked by some guys who, what are their, what are their real credentials? What have they really done? Sure, they spread hope. And I get religion. There's some people who absolutely need it. Some dudes who are in prison doing 20 to life and that's all they fucking got, dude. I'm not trying to, you know, say nothing. Like if that's what they need and they got, and or if somebody's uh, uh, an addict and, and they're at rock bottom and that's what pulls them out from dying and they got to go that way, even if it's hardcore, you know, uh, born again Christian stuff, which is completely ludicrous to me. If it's going to save a life, I'm not going to knock it, but I'm also not going to sit back and be a passive objector anymore because everything revolves around their fucked up you know society structure for so many years when it's so hypocritical and wrong where they shake hands and do brother and fellowship hour and then as soon as the car door closes they're tearing each other down i grew up you know i I grew up methodist and again that's the conditioning that when you're a little kid and 
you want to be part of the rituals and you feel important and there's dopamine released because of those secular tunes and whatever it is that makes you tingle and they pat you on the head and you get presents, you know, based on religious holidays. That's all reinforcement and indoctrination to me, right? And then when you hit your teens, you're going to rebel and you're going to find the bullshit in things. And then you're either going to not give too much of a fuck about it or you're really going to go away from it. And I really went away from it. I, I just saw everything wrong with it and I knew all of the the positives that are supposed to be in uh you know from that were already in me so why do I need to praise something and have a heaven or hell above me or just something of like people I love are dying and I feel comfortable with that where they are when I feel like the reality is I'm so small and the human ego is all that's really formed that separates us from any other mammal and being able to do anything. So anything where we think we're so important is laughable to me. And then I got into Chris Hitchens. And you guys should go watch as much Christopher Hitchens as you can now that he's dead. Hitch slaps. Because he just takes these theologians who have such absurd, absurd fucking like write-offs. Because they were conditioned to accept it from thousands of years. That the logical arguments don't even come close to standing up. And the tax-free stuff the molestation, the Vatican, the, the, the Luciferianism for all those things are massive conspiracy horseman podcasts. I just mentioned. And the fact that you could even, you can go into any one of those is enough for me to pump the brakes and go, I'm not going to be guilty by association with these motherfuckers. Hell no. So, uh, you know, that was enough for me to get out and put a, and And when I get a chance to get my one, two punch in on some, dumb religious conditioning bullshit that I know has that is holding humanity back more than it's doing any good. It's dividing more than it's doing anything else. I I love to tap dance on its windpipe. I cannot get enough of it and I will not stop. I will never stop. I hope you don't because I really enjoy listening to you talk about religion. The, 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 I guess argument you guys had on the conspiracy horse, but it was like a two hour conversation. It was the best two hours I've listened to on a podcast in a long time. But my biggest problem with religion personally is fear. And I could never, and I think it's child abuse to tell a kid about this shit. Or so, like I have an 11 year old and I have a nine year old and they're both girls. So if I go to my girls and I say, Hey, if you don't do this, you're going to hell where you're going to burn for eternity. You should have done that backwards. What do you mean? You got a nine-year-old and an eleven-year-old, not an eleven-year-old and nine-year-old. Sorry, go on. Oh no, you're not one of those, are you? <laughs> uh, no, I, no, no. I was just saying. I just want. I like to get my nine-eleven jokes in where I can get them. In. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm talking conspiracy. I should have known this. God damn, I need to do better notes next time. But I think it's. But I, I really do. I feel like it's child abuse, and I was afraid when I was younger to make certain decisions because I felt like this omnipresent being was watching everything I was doing. So, like, hey, can I not masturbate? Can I not curse? Can I not sneak this cigarette? Am I going to go to hell because of this? And I was freaking out. It's, 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 it's child abuse, brother. I mean, I, 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 I just all, stress it's it. All trauma-based. It's all trauma-based mind control, guilt mind control, whether it's Santa Claus or what have you for, for parental discipline. Instead of just saying, why can't we reinforce a, a, a positive and give you know an educated time out to some negative behavior it was just easier for them and i've talked about this in the church in the 680s when it's witch hunt time and burning people with the stake post uh you know the uh, not crucifixion uh, uh, yeah all, all that time whether it was uh 
what do they call that? Uh, the Crusades. Sorry, it was escaping me. Oh, yeah. You know, post that. You know, you have people for any homosexuality reason looking to escape, and if they have a position of power in the church, they consolidate it, and everything spun out of that, in my opinion. So if you go back to that, and I'm not taking any away from anything from the incredible craftsmanship and the elegance of, of the cathedrals and the beauty of the artwork and how they drove that. You know what I mean? That's all incredible to me. I could look at it all. I don't, I'm not saying tear it down or any of that shit. I'm saying, okay, that was what it was. Let's tear down the bullshit around it all. We, we can pick the tenets of those things. No longer do they need to be a tax-free mega church organization, fleecing people like your father, or it being in secular states, believing some asshole went into a cave and was talked to by God in a secret language and gave him golden tablets that he came out with and said, now you can marry nine 15-year-olds and fuck away if you want because you're Mormons and I ordained it, but you know you are the God. Like I'm not going to be that. You be the guy. And then people buy into it. Fuck that. Scientology, same thing. If any of that organized mind control is poison to the human existence of knowing that we are existing mammals on a higher level who may have been genetically modified. And if we talk about that horseman episode, the conversation is about transhumanism and is our body and mind just a, like they say in the matrix, nothing more than a battery electrical generator to be able to generate these thoughts, this, what have you, that's a failable organic mechanism that will fail us. So if we can remove that or clone that and keep that going, or if that organ energy moves into some stratosphere, or we just go back to nothing until we're reinvented again in that energy from worm shit to fucking flower to bee pollen to corn to fucking, you know, like you live that whole cycle again, like uh, that that's all that the existence truly is and embrace that. And instead of being like, oh, woe is me every day, being like, fuck, I got this day to get the most out of it. And you can go back to this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Or you're going to go, fuck, yeah, I got this day to go on podcorn. I can fucking hit this guy up. We can make an awesome podcast. We can inspire somebody. I can hit the gym, get hit my goal weight only two weeks till my vacation that I'm working for. Like there doesn't need to be. Oh, you're the best thing. Let me in the afterlife. Oh, shit, there is no afterlife. Like, fucking, like, you know, people, even even my, my dad's tag team partner just died, you know, for after a two-year battle with cancer, pancreatic cancer. The guy was a, a beast. They were like the powers of pain. They were like fucking Stud and Bundy in the timber sports era in the 80s, dude. And, like, that's how I looked at them all, you know. And, uh, uh just one of the true last man's men, a, a conservationist, a hunter, a fisherman, an ice fisherman, the whole nine fucking, uh, you know, and, and they're talking about at the end of days that he's going to be up there in heaven hunting and fishing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what the fuck? The deer is a mammal too. Like the deer gets not only killed and eaten on earth, it gets to go to heaven and get shot again and gets fucking slaughtered. So my uncle bear can eat the motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, finally I'm in fish heaven. Nope. You get fucking hooked and clubbed again. Motherfucker. Like these stupid things in logic where even in my uncle's funeral service, I got to be like, what the flying fuck? Uh -huh. you know? 
Now, uh, let's please stand and sing the new version of Amazing Grace with the extra lyrics we added. Okay, I'll stand there in silence. I'll stand there and be respectful. But, like, the guy was a player pimp in the 80s. A bad, you, you saw his picture on my wall. Badass mustache, like Magnum P.I. level shit. Banged out so many 80s big hoes in the, the, back in the day, man. He was a stud banging out chicks and then you know got his life together had kids married a beautiful woman lived you know how he wanted to and then in the last days the preacher's like well he he asked a lot of hard questions and you know how he was but he came to god and he really believed in it and i'm thinking he goes it's not because he was sick and he went i'm like the fuck it wasn't because he was sick and at the end of his own morality man and i'm not saying i won't get to that point and fucking be weak either or learn some secret but I'm not into fucking telling smiling bullshit when we yep. could say, dude, he was the man in the 80s and dude should fucking strive to be like that motherfucker in 2020 and take that away from him. Be proud of that shit, of the moments that he made. When I, dude, I used to hold up blocks. My, him and my dad would cut off white pine, practicing cross cut in the backyard, like inch and a half blocks. He'd have me hold them out. He's fucking Bruce Lee. Whoop right through him, snap him in my fucking hand. I was like, what the fuck? I'll always remember that. Like, I don't need some. And he came to Christ and he knew Christ at his last moments. And he was, fuck that, dude. You should have seen this motherfucker straight right jab through a three-inch piece of white pine. That's fucking impressive. You know who else else found God in their final moments? Fucking Ted Bundy. (laughs) Well, there you go, man, right? (laughs) He spent, supposedly on his last night before he got executed, he spent the night with a preacher you know, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as a savior. So does that mean he's in heaven? Because apparently that's the magic prayer that gets you in the door no matter what. That's it, right? Uh, do it. But I mean, I can't say that Ted Bundy killed a lot of pussy in the 80s too. So. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another. Right? And then he fucked it again. <laughs> I did want to touch on the conspiracy thing because I'm one of those guys who uh, lives with their head in the sand and I just don't know. And like, I guess like I know where to find the information, but I've never like had the interest in it because it, it's just never something that affected me or interested me. When did getting into conspiracies, like when did this start for you? Because you guys talking some very high level shit that I can't even understand. I can't wrap my hand around a lot of it because it's, it's so above me. Oh, well, I mean, it's always rabbit hole, so it's good to take notes for sure. And and sometimes we have to, like, remember, like, oh, shit, they might not know, so let's try and slow it down a little bit. But our horseman chat is just nonstop with links and shit. So uh, for me, my great – or not my great-grandmother. My, grand, my grandmother was one of the first female legislators in Oneida County, my other aunt who passed away – was a speechwriter for Nixon. So I've had this like political thing in my blood a little bit uh, since I was a kid. And um, so that in the eighties, I would watch things and be like, I feel like these guys are putting on a play. Something wasn't right, dude, you know? And uh, even at that time, there'd be JFK, ha ha, the cold war stuff that was going on. Like they're trying to make light of JFK. And and then I remember watching Vietnam stuff because that was such a, a big PTSD thing in the 80s. And I learned about Gulf of Tonkin being bullshit. And I was like, what? This doesn't make sense to me. My brain was still too young to process it. And then in high school, I had this teacher. Well, actually, I'll back it up. In, in junior, high, I had a teacher, Mr. Arnold. Who gave us? I was reading a lot of like books. They, you know, about the outdoors, with like survival from my side of the mountain where the red fern grows, call the wild. And he introduced Ray Bradbury into into our lives from Fahrenheit and Fahrenheit 451, the Velt, 
some very forward thinking, you know, walls with full that are made out of full telescreens where whatever you think shows up on there. And in the sci-fi, the lions in this veldt end up eating the parents. They come to life and whatnot. And then there's a further story where the house is just on automation, where it cleans itself. After all the humans are dead, the house just keeps alive by itself. Very similar to what we may have now in smart homes and smart meters. So Mr. Arnold was a big uh, influence on kind of opening my mind to like future thought, you know. And then in senior year in high school, I, I had another teacher, uh, Mr. Tanra, who taught poli sci. And I was way into like what I could get into because 1995, there really wasn't much Internet aside from AOL discs and shit like that. You know, it was all still pretty new. But he was like an old hippie, anti-war vet stoner, go out and smoke a fucking fat one on his lunch hour and come back and try and open some minds, right? And uh, all the other teachers kind of fucking didn't like him or, or hated on him because of who he was. And that made me like him even more. Um, so he's a big fucking heel. And like by the end of the year, uh, after you only get him for half a semester, it's kind of like, all right, we've conditioned you to this point. Now give you to Tanra and let him break your conditioning and put a little of that 1984 Orwell in your mind. And I had read 1984 uh, in 10th grade, and that's that. That's really what did it, man, for me. And once I took to it and Tanra saw that, he pushed me to, like, take the floor and teach others and just say what the fuck is going on and, and this type of stuff, um, you know. And, and I was big into hip-hop. And you're, you're talking NWA, Rodney King beatings, L.A. riots during that time. You're talking, uh, you know, the the rise of the culture of, of when it was really organic and shit. So all that, th- all that shit had my eyes open, even living in a small town, uh, fantasizing or whatever it is, living through Snoop and MTV and all that shit that was all a work. But at the same time, you're being exposed to, to outside cultures and wanting to learn more. And then college, once the internet hit, it was all over. Like <laughs> it, it just started reinforcing everything. I was in uh, Atlanta in 95, right? Was that Oklahoma city bombing? Yep. I watched all of that at live in my aunt's house. I didn't have shit to do. And I saw some discrepancies in the story and the CNN coverage because I watched every minute of it for three, four days straight. And I was like, that's fucked up. Something's not right here. And I remember I watched fucking uh, Usual Suspects that weekend, too. And there again is a a mystery of who done it and Kaiser Soze, which how funny with that motherfucker now and everything he's involved in. But, uh, you know, the... That was kind of my my start down the rabbit hole. And then for the next 10 years, I was with it. When Nice Peter, before he was doing uh, Epic Rap Battles of History, we were doing a lot of political shows. And it was anti-George Bush and fuck the war. And I knew 9-11 was an inside job from all that beforehand. I was going on websites like disinfo.com. And they had books, uh, Everything You Know Is Wrong, Parts 1 and 2, and uh, I would get those, look at Columbine. I watched Columbine happen live in real time and deconstructed all that. Biggie and Tupac's murder. I did a lot of papers in college on that and really looked and deconstructed that. My my music uh, professors were really into that shit that I was writing at the time. I wish I still had that because that was some good early legwork that, uh, you know, now I look back, I'm like, wow. Um, and then in wrestling, we'd just be, you know, with I took from – Chicago and all that into my wrestling character, which is a hundred percent 
again, it's Saudi Prince, uh, Ayatollah Iranian, George Bush lines, Dick Cheney lines. You know, I have diplomatic immunity. Why? Bin Laden, Bin Haman, you know, the, all this is written in. A is my get out of jail free card, but to reinforce something that people don't want to fucking really face and wake themselves up or they know it and they're having a PTSD mind control experience about it and they need to see me get my ass kicked in order to help them get over it or really pay homage to the 3000 people who were murdered uh, (laughs) to push an agenda of complete uh, control under the Patriot Act that was written many years before uh, a trauma-based mind control terrorist attack took place. And since then, we've seen the world unravel with Agenda 21, with Fast and Furious, with everything that they've tried to do with vote scam fraud, chemtrails, you know, uh, murdering Epstein, uh, human trafficking, everything that was ha-ha, you tinfoil hat motherfucker for the last 20 years has got me sitting at the top of the small mountain, you know, now not looking down on people being like, and not having to say told you so, but like, hey, welcome. Welcome up the hill, bro. And I'm not getting emotional like I used to because I know what they're going through. It's just too much for them to handle. Oh, yeah. And, you know, things, you know, keep you awake at night. Things that a lot of people just don't want to know because it'll scare the shit out of them. They can't handle it. But well, it will never change unless they do. That's the problem. Exactly. Now, you are such a master podcaster because seriously, like I'm sitting here crossing off my questions because you're answering them before I can even get to them, which is so good. And I want to get to that level, my man. But um, you, you did mention the start of and like how, how you kind of came up with, with the gimmick. Has has any like crazy like Trump tart or, you know, Trump fan ever tried to step to you? Oh, yeah, man. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, even before Trump, long before Trump, because the gimmick started in Kentucky. So we're playing backwoods towns and. You know, I was there not sure what I was going to do. And this is kind of funny. This is what here's an exclusive I never told. Like uh, maybe second day in the ring at OVW, third, doing promos, right? And uh, I don't know. Like I know what I'm doing. I've done plenty of character monologues, but I don't know anything about what character I want to portray. So I sit, lay back under the, under the, in the corner in the, like Raven used to or what have you. And I start laying back and hitting my head on the fucking thing, doing like a crazy guy gimmick. If you were and and like I hear the whole crowd going like all the boys like watching me going ugh I'm like oh boy oh fuck I try and get through my minute it's good it's good enough it's pretty good to be honest with you like content wise but one other guy in class who I didn't know Scott Cardinal who's a veteran worker also goes and sits in the corner and that was like me not knowing it saying fuck you to his thing and everyone like well what's Cardinal gonna do because Cardinal was more of a vet and he would put heat on me. And then Carnal gets up and sits in the corner and does his promo. I was like, fuck you. So I'm like, whatever. But uh, if you look at that, if that promo was to be on tape, that was probably almost identical to what Bray Wyatt is doing now, what I did in that promo. So that's interesting to me. But then shortly after that, you know, war's broken out. We're well into the war. This is 2006, um, 2005, 2006. And uh, Muhammad Ali Vaez and Khalil Gaspard are in uh, the crowd, too taking lessons. They were like two, two, three months ahead of me and great bodies. Me, I'm the fat guy, Chicago guy who can do character. Beard was really small, if at all, at that point. And they were saying insurgency every moment on Fox, insurgency, 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 right? So of course we're the insurgency. 
and uh, they're the angry dudes who speak Farsi, and um, I translate and yala and and do that and wave uh, the Iraqi flag or the Iranian flag, and uh, you know, gas prices went from two dollars and thirty five cents to four seventy five over the next two years. Now you go play backwoods, Hogtown, London, Kentucky, the Optimist Club with some redneck fuckers out there and their gas went up two bucks. You want to yeah. talk about heat, dude? Like, yeah, I've told the story. We almost got uh, stabbed up one time. I almost got, I got pulled in the crowd in London, Kentucky at the fucking uh, armory, the active armory there. And the cops showed up while we snuck out the back, but it was totally the crowd and not anything we did. We got the fuck out before we got lynched out there. There's a guy in 2CW when we did shows in Watertown, which is where the 10th Mountain Division is, straight to Afghanistan, like some hardcore army rangers. You know, big shows, 2CW, hot crowd, and I'm out there, cut the hot promo, dude. I, I got the American flag, step on it, wipe my feet, I spit on it, fucking wipe my shoes with it. Guess where that American flag was made? Where? Take a guess. Where do you think? In the, in the, the police office, not in that town. No. Where where was it? China. That's why I would do <laughs> That's why I like they're getting fucking hot over the flag that's American symbol. And I go, Oh, don't worry, it's made in China. And like they can't handle that, right? Like that's too much for them to fucking the only reason I do it is to to set them up to get hot to get the made in China line over. Because oh, what kind of fucking patriot are you to be bitching about it? But here's the fucking so that that's really the the beauty of Bin Hamin of the double fuck you of like you want to act like it's some American standard, but look what the fuck you're really talking about here. Now let's really, and and that's where it, you got to hit a fucking dumb redneck or someone who's a Trumper right in the fucking mouth. And so this guy got real hot about it. Wrote a, a huge fucking paragraph on his Facebook about how he couldn't believe it that. I, I did some smart-ass thing back, pro wrestling teased him, maybe, who knows, and fucked him. And then he cuts a promo online, like a video, where he's going off. He's going to fuck me up and all this shit. And it gets taken down right away. I heard the next day he got called into the sergeant's office because somebody stooged him. And he goes, and he asked him if he did all that. And, he, and the guy, like, double down. He's like, yeah, you, sergeant, you didn't see what this fucking guy did. I'm not going to let him just And, like, sergeant's like, bro, you're not fit. You're, you're fucking 5150 you're out of here bro like you got bounced out of the military because of how fucking hot and reactionary the Ben Hameen character was because you heard me on WrestleZone that was f four and a half years ago five years ago I started doing that right yep. up until that point from 2006 to 2014 no one ever heard this voice it was all, I mean, this is my infidel character that I have to do to make people sound. My real voice, they can't handle hearing this all of the time. It's too angry for them and they get too much PTSDs in their mind. So I have to switch this over. But for the first eight years, it was all that and all writing in caps and all punches right in the fucking nuts with people in my family even having reactions to our military going, what's he doing? Well, dude, the beard, that type of shit is the commitment to the bit that I talk shit on WWE all the time why guys aren't over like Braun Strowman or whatever. Because even as a fucking indie guy, as an improviser, I know what commitment to character and, and brand building is about. 
And it's not me saying it's performance art. So today I can take selfies with my enemy. Nope. Fuck you. Get out of my business. You don't care enough about what we're doing. So why should I care about you? And is my opinion. Now, I kind of wanted to get into the, the, the wrestling portion just a little bit because I'm not like a habitual watcher anymore. I used to watch big time way back in the day, and now I might watch an hour a month, if that. Oh, fuck uh, you. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, it's like the wrestlers on social media now are selling for the fans. And it's just like I, I don't understand like when this shift happened between them becoming more sensitive and for instance, and, and this is where the, the question was kind of uh, brought to life. There was a, a female, I, I don't know what the hell her name is. She's like a bigger girl. I think she hangs out with Scott Steiner. And she was bitching at some fan for liking pictures that she posted online herself. So the guy's like, hey, you look good in this picture. And she like attacked him and went off on the guy. He's talking about like, Jordan Grace, Big Mama Pump. There, there you go. That, that's the one. Yeah. And she just like completely sold for this guy. And there was a video about Sami Zayn selling for some guy in the crowd. He called him the F word and they, he just freaked out on the guy. And, you know, like wrestlers back in the 80s, back in the 90s, even they used to like, like you, you couldn't buy that kind of heat. And nowadays they're just getting it and they're, and they're turning it down. They're getting offended by it. What, what, what's going on, Matt? It shows that there's marks in the locker room. And, uh, you know, Jordan Grace and whatever the girls have done in the Me Too movement to, to claim their peace and they want to wrestle and not be a feature. <clears throat> well, the ratings prove what what's that's worth. And she's still a young girl who's gotten a lot way too fast. And sometimes you can say dumb fucking shit that will come back and bite you. I do it every week sometimes. Uh, you know, that uh, now that they don't have certain uh, rights and what they want to do to move their art a certain way. But once, and Rip will tell you this, oh, you think you're over? You ain't over. And her changing her name to Trish, I think Parker, instead of Jordan Grace or worker name to the rest of us who put our time in, who, who are dedicated to this shit with beards and character. That's a fuck you to the art form. And that's a fuck you to the fans who want nothing more than escapism. That's what wrestling is and fantasy and her saying, I'm more over and I can do this and you'll respect me because I have 15 SG, SJW reasons why. No, fuck that. Go do something else. Don't do this because this ain't for you. As good as you are, as cute as you are, love to work with you, very confident. But just because you have a problem with it doesn't mean that it's got to change because that's the way you want it and the way, the way it really should be because your vision of something isn't what it is. The girls aren't a main event. The girls can build to a main event, but the girls aren't a weekly main event. Your show will suffer. Women's matches are a feature, not just because they're usually popcorn and set up. That's where they are. That's second match. But because you don't need 19 trapeze artists, they are a special thing. And they should know that and that they get to shine in that moment. And why they can get the most out of that moment where the rest of the show has six fucking matches with guys on it instead yeah. of. It's not fair equality that like, no, like know that you're a diamond and it's not that you're just a cast aside little thing. So it's their perception and them not wanting to sell for what the reality of building a wrestling card is. And they don't fucking know mm -hmm. just because people are on TV doesn't mean they know fuck all. She's way young. I, I rip apart people on TV every week. They're booking. So. I don't know what went down with the Sandman. I wasn't there when she wants to dox him and like go all in and Tessa and them want to get their shit in. 
Sandman's argument was different than what I thought it was. It was about his spot on the card and um, the Japanese legend that was there. But this is just the Me Too movement bullshit of millennials who are empowered saying, fuck off, Boomer. And there are opportunities to do that. But you sure as shit better have your argument straight and right in order to fucking do that. Otherwise, you look like an even dumber motherfucker than than when you started the argument. So there's there's hills you want to die on and there's things you want to do. But every one of these stars is fucking stars. Go to the mall and say, ask 10 people who Jordan Grace is. See if they fucking know. Exactly. So how how and then go, do you know who Trish Parker is? And like, oh, wasn't she my babysitter when I was 12? Uh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, they, they think they have this diluted perception of themselves, uh, of where they are and then what they can do and what they can say. And, and like that it's going to hold some water with anybody more than a fucking SJW, whatever pronoun asshole thing you want to use, like to like think that you're cool in a 2019 speak. That ain't going to do shit when Planet X hits. And you got to fucking chop wood, carry water, but you spent your time worrying about all this other pussified bullshit to get your little ego stuff over instead of really knowing what the moment was, saying where your spot was in it, getting to build to something just for some controversy or vanity metrics on Instagram. You're a passing fad, a fart in the wind, and really not taken seriously by most people in your industry, which is... What almost every artist should be striving for is the respect of their peers and their craft. And every move like that from Braun Strowman to Alexa Bliss to Charlotte Flair, I lose respect with everything they fucking do like that. And it hurts their push. <laughs> they're done. They're, 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 they're hurting their own property. For what purpose? Their own stupid little ego and edification. I mean, of all the things that the SJWs attack, I really think they should lay the fuck off of any kind of entertainment because, I mean, it's entertainment for a reason. People watch wrestling not for this SJW bullshit they're trying to get away from in the first place. You want to see these characters do different things. If I turn on a fucking movie starring Tom Cruise, I don't want to see SJW bullshit. I want to see a movie where he's killing people or maybe he beats his wife or maybe he does some weird shit. I don't know. But, I mean, entertainment should be exactly that. It, it should be, you know, just fanciful shit. Words that are written down on a piece of paper that people act out. Why do we have to treat everything as, as real? And why do people have to get so bent out of shape about this dumb shit, man? Like, why can't wrestling just be fun again? That's what really bothers me about the whole thing. It just drives me fucking but nuts. Everybody wants to be a celeb in the peanut gallery because they can't because they won't do the work that it takes the 30 years of from age 12 to age 42 from starting on vaudeville stage to improv to wrestling to fucking podcasting to hopefully TV soon enough. To, to really do that. They want to say, let me get to somebody who's really human on this social media thing with a quick jab. And then some people sell for it. We saw, unfortunately we saw the box unplugged from Twitter this over Christmas. Cause they couldn't after being the biggest rivers in the business, that's how they got over being the anti-heroes. But when it came back around, it, it couldn't be dealt with. And unfortunately that was a tough look for them. It's so, just, so, man, so, to me, all that shit is a passing fad. It's all bullshit. It's all based on bullshit and emotion. And when their mommy and daddy are dead with their little, I'm not talking the bucks, when every, all these SJW mommy and daddies are dead, that fucking helicopter parent of these kids, they are going to sink. 
They're going to have nothing, no work ethic, no ability to have built anything from the ground up themselves, only to be peanut gallery critics who cunt off about every little thing, how it makes them feel. Well, guess that. That Guess what? That don't turn a dollar in no economy. And, and, and canceling shows and call, cancel culture, all that does is cancel advertising and hurt the places where you want shows. And you don't have any products that are, you know, woke ready to replace them. So all you've really done is hurt yourself, but you pat themselves on the back, Barry Horowitz style going, see, somebody responded to me because I cried about it enough. And then a group of them, someone goes, oh, they cried about it. Well, I'll cry too. And then somebody will think I'm fucking important. It's all a bunch of thumb suckers in a sandbox who need nothing more than their diaper pulled down in a fucking fast boot up their ass. Where's the giant currency and being offended, man? People don't know how to deal with adversity. If you say something I don't like, I'm not going to listen anymore. I'm, I'm not going to raise a funk because someone else likes it. I just remove myself from it and go to something else. People just can't do that. They have to get their fucking voice heard. Put their hands up. I don't like you. I'm going to get rid of you. Why do you have to go to those links? Just move away. People just can't leave shit alone. I say, say you don't like me and say fuck you and come at me and see how that ends up for you. <laughs> I say, well, sing the fucking fight. I'll go Vince McMahon 101 right here. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, but you're a lot bigger than I am. I can't get away with that kind of That's shit. Matters, like, dude, all these fucking guys. Yeah, I'm a big dude. I'm not as uh, a body guy like some guys in this fucking biz. I'm trying. But I'll tell you what, the biggest guys are ripped guys who think they're going to get in the ring with me or they want to say, oh, I'll beat that fat bastard. I go, yeah, I'll, I'll see you at the gym when you're working out on the eye machine because I'll take your fucking eye right out of your head. So uh, it don't matter how much muscles you fucking got. All you need is Roddy Piper fucking two fingers right in the eye. <laughs> And a quick kick in the balls and a fish hook in the mouth. You ever see anybody working out the mouth machine at fucking uh, Planet Fitness? No, not, no. Oh, I, I haven't gone to the gym in years, man. Let's say, well, they, they haven't put one in. They haven't put an eyeball machine or a crotch <laughs> machine. So fuck them. Like, anybody who wants to, that's why I own the platform. I'll say whatever the fuck I want because I know my shit, uh, you know, has been earned. Yeah. Every fucking mile of it. So, if anybody wants to step up and, and not saying I'm not open to like new thoughts, that's obviously what I'm open to. But if anyone wants to get a gotcha moment on me, you're going to get nothing but a fucking titty twister while I got you in the ab stretch <laughs> and you're going to be begging to get out of it. <laughs> There's something else about wrestling that really bothers me and it bothered the shit out of me. I'm a big Shawn Michaels, Mark, my favorite wrestler of all time, right? <laughs> well, when he used to do the super kick, right? He used to lay people the fuck out and he was the only guy doing it. And I and I guess it's more of a two part question. Like, why do these moves become so antiquated after a while? And is there some secret meeting between all the guys? Because now they're all doing, from what I understand, the Canadian Destroyer, which is a move that should put everybody the fuck out. Should right? <laughs> so here's the here's the thing. Sean does it, gets it over. Here's this. Let's start at the very top. Rip Rogers. Anything can be a finish. If Congo Kong heads bought you, is that not believable? That you're fucking dead and knocked out? Oh yeah. A headbutt can be a finish. A super kick under the fucking chin will push your chin back. And if you know anything about how guys get knocked out, it's when your chin goes back and closes the, the gap between the top of your skull and the top of your jawbone. That little piece of cartilage clinching together is what turns off the light switch. on your, It's sure. nothing on your fucking jaw. The jaw moving back in that clinching there or in the back there is an instant body goes up. Turn down. <laughs> it's not the it's not the strength of the punch. Guys can get knocked out with a fucking jab if you get take the right way. So anything can be a finish. 
So Shawn Michaels, absolutely a, a beautiful master of the super kick on time, you know, and and now guys hoard out. You were gonna talk the same thing with Jake the Snake Roberts DDT. Because they become a transition move. Why? Because guys on the indies, young bucks are the ones that killed the super kick. And you know, when I first started working with the Bucks, I was like, motherfucker in, in two CW. But then I got a lot more respect for them and changed my thoughts on a lot of things and what they were doing. But for me, if it's established by a legend like Shawn Michaels, or if it's established like a legend like Jake, it's a fucking finish. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or it's 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 either a false finish or the finish. It's not a transition. You hit it, get him one, two, kick out. That's where it's like, oh, he came to life, and maybe he didn't pin him with it because he's not Shawn Michaels, the master of it. He got close, but he didn't, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not his shit. Okay. But to do super kick, double super kick transition, fucking guy comes back to life. Nope, 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 nope. It's as bad as changing your name on Instagram to me. (laughs) Like, you're not paying respect to what came before you in the art, and now you're doing a bastardized version of it. And then nobody checks them because the Bucks were making a fuck ton of money. Nobody checks Moxley because he's fucking making money as the shield and he's doing a DDT and it's fucking kick out every match, some dumb bullshit, right, as Ambrose. And and they're exposing themselves as rotten, but nobody's checking them. And it's happened week after week after week. Bullet Club sells more shirts, more popularity. So what does that mean? That – no selling super kicks is the way to go. Yep. That means no selling DDTs is the way to go, bro. Shield in. What the fuck? So now you see every asshole on the indies who want to do every Seth Rollins spot, want to do every fucking thing like that because they're little marks for themselves. Every one of them start doing it, and it becomes commonplace. And then when it becomes commonplace in the indies, that's the underground. What happens in the underground will trickle back up Mm. to the fucking mainstream and that's what happened with the canadian destroyer so now a move that was a fucking life ender five years ago now on the it gets pimped out by every asshole who can do it on the indies canadian destroyer just becomes part of the wrestling normal lexicon and wrestling and now you'll see it with fucking dustin doing it on the apron to sammy guevara on aew and it's not even a roll them in falsy grab the rope pin just to stay alive i'm just like Come on, bro. That is a that is a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Dustin Reynolds doing a goddamn Canadian destroyer. Not a TV quick, let's do it and, and not make something of it, dude. You know, like or you the know he, did it, he did it on the apron on the outside, the hardest part of the ring. Sammy Guevara should have faked a fucking broken neck. Dustin's down going, oh, shit, I fucking just killed this kid. Bring out the stretcher. Da 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 da. It's all a, you know, whatever. A bait to get whatever done but like it's just transition i i and as a rip rogers guy even though i'm with russo russo would agree with this too but as there he he wouldn't want them taking those bumps for no reason but rip and jim Cornette were going that's a that's more than a fucking finish right there that's the story that's that's yeah. big like and we're that's just passing now that's where wrestling and it sucks to shit on a dustin Rhodes segment but like that's where wrestling is now no no, we can't. We can't allow that, dude. I can't allow that. Those moments to go by without at least saying, "Hey, we, I got to talk about it and say why is this happening?" Because it seems like you're going from a great jazz musician, Louis Armstrong, Miles Davis, mm-hmm. to the junior high band playing 
<laughs> Miles Davis and fucking Louis Armstrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not it's not the same fucking thing, dude. It really isn't. So are they basically chasing chance? Are they trying to chase money? Because you think of the two highest, you know, grossing superstars of all time. You got what's uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, and maybe Hogan, either one or the other. Uh, and these guys did punches, kicks, and had a catchphrase. And they made more money than anybody else. Isn't that the person you want to emulate as a young up-and-coming superstar? Fucking think so, wouldn't you? But they're marks for themselves. And they're marks for the indie shit. And it's called getting your shit in. And instead of... Dude, Elias is probably the most talented guy on the show. And he was just basic. He's got a guitar and he looks fucking good. And now instead we got Kevin Owens, who's a great improviser, Kevin Steen. But he's got to do the Stone Cold Stunner and stun Owens, stun these stupid shirts when it was kill Steen, kill on the fucking indies. And he was a real legit badass. Even if he wasn't in the best shape, you believe that he will fucking do what it takes to beat your ass and embarrass you. If he's not going to beat you up, he will embarrass you and heal out on you. Now it's just like a watered down blah, 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 blah. So why should we care? Like yeah. why, why, why do we need to get there? And, un- and unfortunately, you know, I had to talk, talk about Owens in that way. And he hit me up saying, dude, I heard you were talking some shit. Like uh, I thought we were cool. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like you blocked me on Twitter out of nowhere. I don't have any other contact with you. Like uh, I totally am super pumped for you and happy for you. I love your family and your kid, man. And, and like, but for you to ice me out of nowhere and then come back being like, I thought we had respect hacker. Why are you talking shit? Well, what the fuck am I supposed to know? Like, you know, like, and I want the best for him. I want kill Steen kill with an open mic improv. What is saying the sheet? Kevin Owens has four minutes to promo says whatever he wants a business about Seth Rollins go not put words in his mouth and set up for the stunner and that bullshit, man, to do an emulation of a guy that that was his original thing. That's piss poor creative and not even using your that's taking a fucking championship thoroughbred racehorse and going out and making them plow the fields with it. They're just yeah. you're just stupid. And and I'm I'm through putting over people in this business who have a job who are either go along to get along to get a paycheck or can't do what I can do and I can do everything that they can do probably better than they can do it. So really, they're only 40% of the value of what you would get based on someone who's put in the fucking grind and knows what's up. So my days of like playing politics and wrestling, I always will have to because it's wrestling, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, let's be nice. And maybe if I submit my resume, they'll hire me and get a call back and I'll look at, no, no, no. 42 years old, you're going to get the fucking raw and real. And when I say something and it happens three weeks later on TV in a good or bad way, either they stole it or they didn't see the iceberg coming and the Titanic hits it again. I look like Nostradamus, but it's just the fact that I see how fucking stupid they are and the way they're going to go and, and, and fuck up their own business. So if they, if they want to be bruised touchers and not hire the right minds and Stevie, me, Russo, Josh Jenner, Steve King to help get these shows and these performers to the level they deserve to be at that we helped prepare them to be at. It's like got them ready for fucking, you know, the best thing. And now they get to go out there and do a a middle school play. It just, it's abysmal to watch, man. 
Now, do you think having your own platform and, and, and being um, like a, a pundit about wrestling and saying sometimes negative things about the business, do you think that hurts your chances getting back in? Oh, or- fuck yeah, I'm blacklisted. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there a way to, to maybe heal it? Because I listen to you guys religiously, and I really do think that your ideas would benefit the show. Is there going to be a time where wrestling falls so low that they just swallow their pride and be like, hey, fuck it, come help, fix it? Five, four, three, two. <laughs> Dude, uh, th- I mean, the end rounds, if you listen, I'm the one who got a hold of Fox. I'm the one who reached out, set up the meeting with me, Stevie, and Russo. You know, I, this is something I have a talent for is I will fuck. I'm the hacker. I will track you down online. I will find your info uh, f- for free without even having to. And, and you know, then they have us pitch. They, they ask us to fucking write a consultant thing. I write a three-page legal document. They end up messing up their show even more, whether it's backstage or what have you. But Vince knows we're trying to become the puppet masters of him in order to save wrestling because it needs to be taken out of their hands with script approval to say no, like and protect Fox's billion-dollar interest. That gets set on the shelf. They hire Bischoff and uh, Heyman. Bischoff thing goes to shit. They bring in Bruce. The shows are at a 1.85 last week where you can hear uh, Conrad and uh, JR talk on their podcast this week. A throwback to Raw when the rating was 5.5. Dude, they would murder 150 Saudis right now to get fucking rating back to 5.5 in a second. So it's just ridiculous that they are still la, la, la with their hands over their ears. And there's other moves going on that I I told you off that I can't even talk about where we will keep sitting on the hill watching Rome burn and eventually they will run out of the ashes and we are there with the buckets of water to put them out. Uh, And and by that time, the damage will just be ridiculously done. We We tried to steer them away from hitting the iceberg in June. They said, fuck that, hold my beer, watch me steal right into this motherfucker. And now we've gone from that time, I think we were at a a 2.6, and Fox wanted them at a 3.1. We're at a 2.2 now, and last week was a 1.85. So uh, it's only a matter of time before they have to fucking say there's no hope left and we need them, which they should have done it long before, and our job will be three times as hard to pull them out of the nosedive. You know, Um, and like I said, there's the other side. If it's not Fox, then I'll leave that up to uh, your own assessment. But that's things we can't talk about that they know about. And um, I'm never going to stop. And I I had I I submit uh, on WWE when the jobs come up, the social media manager one came up. There was a guy who hit me back, read my resume. Hey, he worked for Impact, ran their website, ran their YouTube, uh, you know, done all this in the business that runs his own shit and would put me up to the next level of the hiring manager. And he was probably just a good HR guy who gets it. He, he knew he was smart to the biz. My shit gets to the next hiring manager level. Yoked right <laughs> shit down, shut it the fuck down. And then they hire somebody else. I look at their work, just, you know, mediocre at best me like mailed in so safe, like not helping any of the talent get over, not forwarding a storyline, not picking up any details, so you're going to get what the fuck you want, and then you're going to go, why isn't this over? Da, 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 da. Like you. Well, meanwhile, we become greater heroes of the underground every week on Russo brand 
by saying what needs to be done, giving the audience exactly what they really want hypothetically. And then when WWE doesn't deliver, well, it's all on them. And look at the fucking numbers on house shows. Uh, even the digs I have with uh, American Tarp Team, how means Tarp Emporium. These these aren't shirts to like that I sell to like, dude. I'm gonna get big numbers on these. These are just the two CW. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You think you think because you're that big company that I have to bend my will and my intelligence. The fact that you're not coming to me to say, look how intelligent and, and how much time this guy's put in to be a part of our organization. And and what I, instead of going, no, he was right. Fuck that. Get him out of here. Well, the he was right is going to be there. And that's going to set on them like a goddamn anvil on their chest until it crushes them. It's absolutely insane because numbers don't lie. And I'm a big Russo guy. I love Russo. I had him on the show a while back. Very cool guy. Very different to what I ever thought, you know, I would get with Vince Russo. Sure. But whenever he wrote, numbers were up. Attendance was up. So yep. you would think that's the guy we need. It's simple mathematics. These people would rather not admit that they were wrong and just go down in the ship, man. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not a business guy. I don't know a lot about, you know, the inside workings, obviously. I'm just a person who watched on TV. But it makes sense. If you see, you know, the tarps going up and less attendance, you fix it. That's just simple, simple. You would think it's simple for people to figure out, but they just can't do it. Man. Yeah. And TV business drives house shows. And then you can do business on house shows uh, to pay off for the crowd. But if the crowd ain't there, then why would you do business there? So they're just goddamn lying and fooling themselves, surrounded by yes men, the politics of how each team is clicked up where Russo's name came up to be hired back. Dude, Shane McMahon, and we talked about this, yep. like, is the one that Russo wrote to. Shane was super, super pumped about, dude, we need you right now so bad. This is last spring, right after WrestleMania when they were pissed about it. And he tells Russo what email to write to Vince. Vince responds back with THX, thanks. And that's it, like... So Vince McMahon is marginalizing his own son while his son is trying to undermine his father to help save the company with just quality creative. And instead, he's going to go to Bischoff and Bruce, who are both going to bury the fuck out of Russo because they want that spot and, and they know that Russo will do it 10 times better than them and they'll be out the door and they're nothing more than office stooges. Bischoff is great at working with High-level corporate people, Hollywood deal people getting things done. He sucks at talent management, creative, and and I don't know about marketing, but you know those things that are essentially what they need the most of right now, getting the most out of their talent and getting the most out of their scripts. So he don't give a fuck. He couldn't even get him on the phone after 7 at night when they're about to do the launch. So, <laughs> yeah, so he's gone. And then – the name of Russo comes up and Bruce, no, I can do it, Vince. I can do it, brother. I love you, Vince. I'll be the man. We'll do another fucking pudding. He's going to throw up on it. We'll do a wedding, Vince. We'll do a wedding. Fuck out of here, dude. Oh, so bad, too. That's trash. It's like, no, not to say that that Brother Love wasn't a fucking awesome character in the 80s. Absolutely loved it. But nothing, nothing Bruce Pritchard has put together will land this te- stand the test of time, has drew big ratings, has done any of that. Vince Russo, like you said, has done all that. And now he's got even more of a secret weapon in me with a, a whole nother vision that I'm like putting in his, you know, uh, purview or for view of how things can be done. 
and uh, Matt Hardy showing the world of like yeah. what we could look through and in, in a lens. And, mm-hmm. and we're, we're just not doing, we're doing ribs. We're our, our every storyline we have is a rib from fucking new day to Lana and Lashley to uh, fucking the undercard with the chicks, with the lesbians. stuff. like everything is just a joke or a political thing backstage that's making it to TV. Uh, Seth Rollins beating Brock Lesnar, Brock with a boombox. None of this shit is written to make money. It's all written to fuck you in the face of the guys. And then when we're getting a C and D level show, it's really a fuck you in the face of the fans who they don't care about at all. And oh, by the way, uh, let's march out some cancer kids to make sure everybody knows we're great people. Okay, yeah. thanks, everybody. Next I think, the, I think the women are booked better than the men, and maybe it's just they don't give a fuck about them enough to put that much attention or shine on them. But I actually only really watch the women wrestling anymore just because, like, not because they're probably the hottest crop of chicks they've had, but because I, I, I do think they're written better. They just don't take the time to insult them, I guess. <laughs> I, <if you're, laughs> you say written, written better to me. That's like, would you rather eat a handful of shit or a handful of exactly. diarrhea? Like, exactly. <laughs> like it don't, it, dude, it's, it's not like, oh, this is so much better. In fact, I would, I would disagree with you from the wrestling standpoint of view. I think the women are being ribbed by giving, being given way too much time because I'm a half-ass, unathletic motherfucker, flag waver, waver great promo. I get over best in eight to 12 minutes in the ring. I've upped my cardio and my fitness. I can go 15 and make it believable, maybe even 20 now and lead somebody. But I still get over best in 12 minutes. These girls are getting 20, 22 minutes. The first 10, 12 minutes, they look great. You're just waiting for somebody to get killed or somebody to go Becky to get caught on camera going, come in closer. I can't hit you from there because they don't know how to call anything the real way. Or, you know, they're blown up and shit looks terrible kick wise. Or a girl weighs 120 pounds and she's getting fucking razor's edge on a ladder for no reason. Like, I really think this is the rib from the guys who in the back who want to be like, oh, yeah, me too movement, the man, the girls want to be on top, Jordan Grace, all that. Okay. You got 22 minutes. Go get out there, girls. Go have fun. Go yeah. get. And then 16 minutes rolls around, and we play the game of what could possibly go wrong now. <laughs> and we've seen it many times go wrong. WrestleMania main event finish is the perfect example of it with Ronda Rousey. They botched their own finish. Do you find it a curse to know so much about something that you used to enjoy through a different set of eyes, whereas now you can't enjoy it? Whereas you used to probably like love it and not think so high level on it. Because I never thought about what you just said until now. Now now I'm like, fuck, man. They are trying to kill my poor girl. So I'm trying to kill them out there. Shit. Yeah, man. Who are you? My wife, 124. Shut the fuck up. I just want to watch the show. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, and fortunately, uh, and this goes back to my SUNY Fernonia days of uh, training in media arts and and also as an improviser, you have to try and know everything about a little about everything and be professional about as many things that you're completely passionate about because those details make a character believable when you're improvising and you need to be able to pull from them in the second, right? It's not scripted. So we have to know all this shit and act like we're pros. Does it ruin it for me? Yes, but I, d- I made that choice. Mm-hmm. So when something is done right, I fucking love it that much more. 
do I wish everything was done right? Absolutely, because so much is done wrong, in my opinion. I, I don't want to say wrong because we say Bastion Robbins, 31 favors. There's a lot of wrong. There's a lot of disrespect to the craft and the art, too, in the way they do things from young people who just don't know. They just don't know. Um, and I've always kind of been like this, whether it's the politics or what have you. And in Fernonia, I remember we did an experiment of there was a movie on, music on, TV news with a ticker on, internet websites up, uh, three of them, and we were like uh, editing and burning CDs. And we had, there was something else that was like a stimulus to watch. And it was all going on in a 20 minute experiment. And then we had to fucking recount what we could from the news ticker from the headline, from the music that was going on, and how much can you ingest all at one time and deconstruct. Then film study courses in college where, whether it's the oranges in The Godfather, you know, symbolism, chioscuro lighting, how to break things down from my early days of stagecraft. And, and when I see on Raw, they're doing a fucking... Mike and Maria Canales skit from the goddamn gynecologist's office and the gynecologist's office wall is a curtain with a picture hung on it. It's a cloth fucking <laughs> curtain with a picture frame hung on it. Like, no one can fucking go get a flat and build a flat in an afternoon. Like, so even for my stagecraft, like, all this is in me uh, to deconstruct every show. So when my wife and, and my wife's like the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders or whatever, Real House, like, you know, I can't shit on it. Trash TV. We all like our mindless stuff. I watch guys roll around in the ring and underpants and boots on. So I can't shit on anything that way. But, you know, when it comes to what I like, it has to be so high level where I'm like, love it. Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, Vikings, uh, Lodge 49, um, Baskets is what people always ask me, what are you watching? Baskets, Zach Galifianakis is a great show. Um, the the uh, gemstones on uh, 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 on on HBO, you know all the high level stuff from The Wire to Oz, and to really watch it not once. <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've seen Goodfellas no less than two hundred and sixty times. Uh, you know, like uh, Scorsese's everything, uh, Oliver Stone's everything. That's where the high when and when you can deconstruct that shot by shot, see why they did that. You know then you're watching everything with a critical eye. That's just the level I'm at as a producer where everything I want to be, even if it's a reference in a shot, like Tarantino references so many movies, Westerns and samurai flicks, just in the setup of the shot that you could study that as a film student and write dissertations on it. That's the level of player I want to be as a director. And after I get out of wrestling, I have two movie scripts i have a whole fucking series that i I want to be known for but i still have stuff to accomplish here in my journey until i do that my transition out of it to be able to focus isn't going to happen so i look at everything so meticulously and at the end of the day your question are you a curmudgeon bitter cocksucker who has ruined his own love of his own art for everything short answer is is yes i am yes i am and uh but it's because I love to search for the next high-level artist who's going to make me go, wow, that was a fucking good move. Wow, that was a good reference. 
that's that's what I search for now. And and you know, I can see other archetypes, whether it's a sitcom or a movie style of like, all right, you know who did it. This is coming there, bomb, bomb, bomb. Where's the Russo swerve? Oh, this line here is important even halfway through the movie because I know it's coming back around. I can already see all that stuff. So things like the Mandalorian popped the fuck out of me. I thought Star Wars, the last one, not that it was the shits, but like doesn't even stack up comparatively, you know? So there's things that I'm entertained by still, but there's a lot of shit that I have to watch every week that is, makes me sound like a bitter son of a bitch, but it's because I want it to be, I the wrestling could be at the level of the Mandalorian. It could be that. That's all I really want. That's why I sound bitter. Well, I don't think it sounds bitter. It, it, it's passion, but I mean, like I'm sitting right here with a very, and I want these people to listening right now understand a very high level podcaster. And this is the level I want to get to. So I think just has, us having a conversation is, is rubbing off. Now I feel more confident. And I think that's a good thing. And, Kind of like you were saying, how like you look for that next level to strive for. I'm, I'm talking to her right now. This is the level I want to hit. Appreciate that, man. I don't try and think that I'm above anybody else. But if you feel that way and it gives you, uh, you know, uh, some stronger shoulders, then fucking embrace that, man. And I'm glad that I, I can be a little of an inspiration inside of because you're inspiring me to be able to share my story uh, of my journey. And it's nothing of. And then dad bought me a $2 million fuck off studio and I started Hameen Media. And now we're out. Now it's all because of passion and, 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 and labor of love for the art and um, just wanting to connect, communicate, and uh, find out what our voice is, man. What, what is our voice of misery in this world of misery? Do, can we have a voice of, uh, of whatever it is, man? Maybe, maybe we'll be the voice of positivity, but maybe, maybe one day. I'm a heel. I'm a fucking monster heel. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but just one last question for you, Ben, because I because I, I I feel like I've had you on for very long, and you're a very busy man. You got a lot of shit to do. Earlier in the podcast, you mentioned something called Planet X, and I've heard you guys talk about this in the Horseman. And now my it's my time to ask you now: What is Planet X, and what is like? What do I have to be worried about something coming? Oh yeah, I would be. Yeah, would I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be because if it comes, there's nothing you're fucking do about it because uh, it'll tilt the uh, Earth's access and everything will be fucked up. And uh, like, this is why I love the atheism because the reality of like, oh, what if the Earth turns? tilts two percent off its access uh we're all fucked <laughs> we're all supremely supremely fucked and uh okay so <clears throat> what is what is it the bible calls it wormwood uh you know uh wormwood the destroyer there's plenty of uh picked uh, pictures of it and references of it in ancient text in the sumerian text in the uh dead sea scrolls in the bible in the uh, egyptian hieroglyphs uh, it is a planet surrounded by other uh, moons and a big, huge, supposedly meteorite belt that could be p pieces of Earth from before. Supposedly it had struck the Earth, and this is maybe what the extinction level event of the dinosaurs was uh, in the Earth reforming. The Earth was maybe a whole nother third bigger than it is now, um, and, and where the deep uh, trench uh, in the ocean uh, where the impact actually was in the deepest trenches there, uh, or in, and in Mexico, obviously there. Uh, but it supposedly it's on a 3,600 year go round and the, the orbit of it is a very big elliptical, huge 3,600 year orbit that orbits 
the entire, as we spin around the sun, as it traverses through our galaxy into wherever, and, and we have our own elliptic ellipse of our nine planets or eight planets and Pluto, whatever the fuck of that, there's also a big fucking ellipse that's going around that. So if you think of our galaxy in the center with the sun on a clock, the hands of that are coming around, but the way it, that it moves in that now in that 3,600 year pattern, this planet X will come closer and it doesn't even need to hit or anything like that because of the debris field, as we've seen, you see these stories popping up near earth miss on a meteorite that we didn't even know was 4,500 miles away. Bullshit. You fucking know exactly where they are. Right. And uh space force and all this talk. And people are like, Oh, climate change. Da, da, da. What if it's just wormwood and this planet has a gravitational force that is causing these things, that is causing a pull, that is causing, and supposedly Wormwood has its own sun. And there's plenty of photographic evidences uh, online now of people seeing in the Southern Hemisphere two suns, some real fucking Tatooine, Luke Skywalker shit, catching it. And I've also seen the moon up at 9, 10 in the morning. I, I'm taking full bright moon with the sun out when I was out golfing the summer, sending it to the horseman going, have you guys? I've seen the moon at four before in the afternoon. I've seen it at like seven in the morning growing up. Never have I seen it midday like that. So why would it be lit up if maybe another sun is hitting it, right? And, and what's going on? There's a lot of uh, photographic evidence out there and a lot of things being kayfabed why, by it. And I think the cash-in is absolutely them with Space Force uh, in a fear that way. And, you know, uh, why does the Vatican have the Lucifer telescope that is seeing deep into space for these events and these types of things? And if you really want to get back to the possible ancient alien origin story of the Anunnaki and all of these uh, UFO things we've been seeing being declassified in a rapid, massive rate, are they here to possibly protect us, save us to some degree, warn us, uh, you know, of how to protect from uh, cataclysmic, you know, destruction. And what happened to the Atlantis? If Atlantis was a real civilization with planes and whatnot, a cataclysmic event like this. Some people even say with Noah and the fucking rainstorm, well, if the planet shifted and Noah did have that, what if aliens came and talked to him, told him how to build this survival ship? And I don't believe every animal two by two, but maybe some fucking chickens, ducks, oh, and cows, so they could, yeah. they could fuck and he could eat and survive. Not mm -hmm. like get the ele the elephant showed up, and then the giraffe showed up from Africa. They all walked to go see Noah. No, that's the bullshit <laughs> religion. But yeah. it, it, people say, Noah, how'd you fucking survive? Well, I got fucking two chickens. I got two fucking cows. I built a big ass mm -hmm. boat, and we hung out. But why would it rain for forty days, forty nights, and flood the fucking earth? Yeah, that, that's the like that's un, to me, that's a near earth miss of 3,600, 7,200 years ago that changed the fucking climate. And that in the non-biblical explanation is a far more believable fucking thing, uh, yeah. you know, through generations and to be able to clock that. And to now with the technology we have, gravity, the wobble of the earth, where we've already moved off our axis some some bit. Why are they chemtrailing? Maybe because they don't want us to see the second sun because people will freak the fuck out. And that, that will go against all 
what you've been conditioned to your whole lives in school and, and, and been told that that goes on. And people don't, you know, if they know Wormwood the Destroyer's coming 2032, well, fuck work, bro. We're just going to fucking, you know, fuck society, man. It, it's going to be some Mad Max shit, and they can't have that either. So really, you know, I make jokes about playing the Planet X Division champion and, and, and whatnot, but there's so many things that are absolutely true and provable and are out there that tie into multiple other stories that even go back to Bible legacy, uh, you know, to cross all conspiracy theory bounds. And if there's things that to be learned from the past and people are saying in there and Wormwood came and wiped everybody the fuck out. Well, it ain't going to be one flyby. Haley's comet and that shit comes by every hundred and whatever the fuck years. Yeah. And that, uh, so 3,600 years in a little mammal thing, if it wipes and, and you know, who knows? It only needs to be the gravitational pull. It only needs to be a meteor the size of fucking Kansas that falls out of the sky and goodbye Earth again. And now we're back to maybe a population of, you know, that could be your Georgia Guidestones, a population of 500,000. And there's no Internet and everyone's got to find each other. And, you know, all that kind of shit could really happen again. But no one wants to put that in their mind because our little fragile lives of Christmases and riding in Ubers and all that kind of shit and the convenience, you know, I like to think about that because it makes me really fucking know how small I am in this bitch. And uh, also it's a fucking awesome conspiracy because it aliens tie into it. Space mining operation mockingbird. You look back at, uh, you know, any fucking uh, Bruce Willis movie where he's going to space to blow up some goddamn asteroid or whatever, right? Like every movie is, yeah. Right. Uh, so all, all that kind of stuff is uh, a great fantasy, but I think far more reality. And we just had Russian vids on who's a hardcore flat earther, and I love the episode, by the way. Thanks. I love to watch his videos and, and be intrigued by them. I'm not a flat earther as much as Disco wants to say it, but uh, I believe there's tons of NASA bullshit. Absolutely. I think there's a lot more going on, on the moon than is fucking being explained. I think we're already on Mars in a human colony and that there's a lot going on on Mars that could have been beforehand. I believe I believe that we, we were, uh, I believe in the Saturnalia model. I believe that uh, Earth was not a heliocentric the sun was not our original sun that we have now that we moved into a galaxy and possibly because of a wormwood, maybe it had three suns and that sun became our sun. Because if you look, if there's, there's cool conspiracies now that like, you know, in the Midwest and Arizona, those big steppes, the fucking huge, you know, like yeah. uh, Jacob's uh, whatever, Josh, I, I'm, I'm getting them all fucked up, but devil's tooth and all that fucking shit. Right. Mm. Some people think those are stumps that those are petrified tree stumps that trees. I mean, you look at fucking California, right? Where the redwoods and those massive trees still are. I mean, some of them are 80 feet diameter, fucking yeah. massive. Like why are they only there still and bring that now? Imagine those redwoods are just small, like pine trees that you have in your backyard compared to the trees that would have been there when Saturn was our sun. Supposedly Saturn was our sun. Gravity was far less uh, because of how the proximity of it and wormwood smashed into it and knocked Saturn out of orbit. And we became this heliocentric model. But if gravity was less, we would have had bigger plants, massive fucking trees, 
right? And and then what else do we have? Do we have fucking giant lizards running around anymore? No. No. So the dinosaurs might have fucking been because of that as well. There would have been 24-7 sunlight, but the sunlight would have been a purplish, bluish, and reddish hue. So a different growth, different plants that, uh, you know, that they even find fossilized now remnants of that wouldn't have been like these huge fern leaves that don't, that are, are old uh, versions of it, but are massive compared to the ones we have now. So why were things growing so big, so bigly and so fucking, you know, maybe that I'd like to look into it more and see if those stones could be linked back to petrified wood and imagine a world like Endor with giant, massive trees that are a quarter mile high, like very well could have been. And Saturn was our sun. And that's why we celebrate why Saturnalia is so packed into everything we do. Anytime you see the black box, the six, 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 you know, all this stuff that, that is in high Masonic free worship uh, in these secret societies, all re- banking systems, all revolves around Saturnalia. So they're worshiping it, worshiping it for a reason. And that's interesting to me because that would directly relate to some wormwood prophecy that happened in the past in Saturn. Uh, the god Kronos uh, is the god of Saturn and, and eats his own children. And Wormwood, the destroyer, is a planet eater. It's eating other planets. And that's where the mythology of that comes from. So, you know, I told you guys to get your pen and paper if you want to do it. So look into Kronos, look into Saturnalia, and into Saturn worship. And even, uh, you know, those, I'm, I'm talking not Jurassic, I'm talking pre prehistoric times, right? Like, all that kind of stuff where man might not even have been anything, or man as a giant, that's what we were possibly then, right? We've talked about giants and whatnot and all that on the horseman and how that's been kayfabed through Darwinism and uh, the Smithsonian. And it, what if human w- affected the same way as those plants and the same way as the, uh, the lizards and whatever other mammals at the time? I, I love that kind of stuff because – it really isn't politically based. It's imagination based. It's space based. It's all truth seeking. And really to go back to like, oh man, uh, I, I just wonder, I, I really, I really enjoy that side of the, these discussions. I really wish people could see my face as you're telling that story because I'm in like fucking all right now, dude. And like, I really need it like a fucking adult because I'm afraid. And this is some very terrifying shit knowing that the world's going to end at any second, man. Well, I mean, I think that's the carpe diem of it. Like, dude, they're going to maybe wake up one day after all this shit. We're going to war with Iran and we killed this asshole who means nothing. And this asshole yelled at this asshole. When somebody goes, a meteorite like Kansas is headed straight for Toronto today. Good luck, everybody. Like, like this, all that heat's gone. Right. <laughs> We're trying to save our own asses. You're gonna go and, and grab the wife, and you're gonna smash it out. Get your get your shit in, right? Take your blue yeah. chip and make your favorite drink, and go out on the lawn, man. Because there's no fucking about, so right. So I love feeling small like that because as much ego driven of being the boss of this, of, of my own program, I could easily eat that up, and that's why I love wormwood because it makes me go. This shit could all be over tomorrow. So make the most of today, you know? And and uh, I think that's really the most important lesson in, in all of this, dude. Well, we're so privileged, too, that we can easily get offended over dumb shit. I mean, we have so much that we, you know, let the smallest things really, like, tear us apart, like words written on a screen 
that dick we paid a thousand dollars for a guy doing a dick flip. Uh, yeah. I fucking hate you. <laughs> like, dude, uh, uh, believe me w- at the end of the day, it could be you and Joey Ryan as the last two people on earth. Uh, <laughs> after Wormwood, yeah. you're not going to be worrying about dick flips, man. Brother Ben, I appreciate this, man. You are a pro, a true professional podcaster, man. One day I'm going to get to this level. It will be very far into the future. Hopefully Wormwood doesn't destroy me first. <laughs> you, you just keep it. pushing your limits, man. It's all about reps, dude. You, I'm, I'm glad to have you as an affiliate, to have Voices of Misery podcast as an affiliate on Homie Media Group. You're, you're definitely a, a great soldier to, to keep looking for opportunity to help my brand grow and you know that a rising tide raises all ships so i'm i'm very proud of the work you've done and i, I encourage you to keep uh, pushing your limits and set a goal that you that seems almost unattainable and and, and that others would laugh at because i have every confidence that uh with all of us backing each other you can you can get there man i think so man and there's more stuff coming on the way man like i i, I stay up all night long i have anxiety and i stay up all night long looking for new shit so whenever i have something it you know where it's going Right, dude, but that, that's really what it takes to be a boss. Vince McMahon sleeps one uh, hour a night, supposedly, so yeah, look what he built. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's plenty of, there's plenty of time to sleep when we're dead, dude, uh, into, yeah, that, into that nothingness again. So in the hours that you can, without sacrificing your health, uh, yeah, get the most out of every moment, you guys, because uh, you, and not just for yourself, for, for somebody else, because you never know uh, what that pebble in the pond uh, might uh, yield for you down the road or somebody in, improving the quality of somebody else's life. And that's really just what I'm all about, man. All right. Let's give one of those patented Ben Hameen plugs at the end of the episode. <laughs> We've been waiting. Uh, uh, yeah. Right now we're sponsored by getacregold.com slash horseman. You can go over to at get underscore acre on Twitter, follow them, let them know Hameen Media Group sent you and they're giving away a 2.5 gram free gold uh bar so to, to one lucky subscriber there so they they sponsored us this month so go over there at get underscore acre and check out their subscription service again at getacregold.com slash horseman start growing your wealth you know fuck this blockchain bitcoin fake money because once wormwood hits that shit ain't gonna be nothing once the internet goes down only some gold and some blowjobs and rubbing tugs are gonna fucking matter at that point brothers so uh, we're happy to have them on right now uh the first five days i'm not sure if this is going up uh, sunday or not or saturday or even today friday yeah um but uh prowrestlingtees.com slash bin hameen uh 20 off using the code new year all the best shirts in pro wrestling up there from my brothers, uh, Greek God, Papadon, SEG shirts, and Stevie Richards as well. You guys, we appreciate that. It's the best way you can support our free platform. But the weekend's locked up for you here, guys, with this Voices of Misery shoot with me running my fucking mouth the whole time. Also just put out the Conspiracy Horseman with Russian vids, talking everything from uh, Secure Team 10, uh, Tyler getting arrested, uh, Sandy Hook and our, our First Amendment free speech rights as journalists, the Space Force, the Friday Locker Room, the AEW Like the Fuse show with Matt 12-Gage Schaffer and Chris <laughs> Silvio. And I'm hoping to even do another Ha 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 Mean this weekend and the NFO New Force Order podcast, Star Wars, is all up, all for free at hackerhameen.podbean.com. I even think there's a new hitting uh, the Marks sports edition with Jargo and Vickery up there, you yep. guys. So... 
this is what I want to do is just provide free content to put a, a merciless beating on all of these conglomerates that are feeding you nothing but shit all the time and not opening your third eye, not opening your mind, not having conversation and not lifting you up. Because if you're hearing my voice right now, if it else, you will be lifted up. Rise and praise the one true Saladin. Bin Hameen Yolo. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Stevie Richards. When I'm not doing Stevie Richards Fitness, well, actually, when I am doing Stevie Richards Fitness Resistance Band Training Programs, I like to listen to my friends on the Voices of Misery podcast. They talk about literally everything and anything, some stuff that might offend you. So if you're not easily offended, don't subscribe because they say whatever is on their minds is actually, actually subscribe, subscribe. Anyway, you might learn something and check them out anywhere. You can download and listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, check them out at voices of misery.podbean.com.